If you can grab a copy of God's Word and meet me in the Gospel according to St. Luke. The Gospel according to St. Luke, we're in chapter 24. The Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 24. If you've got your Bible, wonderful. If not, you see the words lifted up for you on the screen. Amen. I'm going to bow and breathe a word of prayer, and we will get into God's Word and message for this morning. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, what we know not, we ask that you would teach us. What we see not, we ask that you would show us. And what we are not now, by that gracious, resurrection, wondrous power, what we are not now, we ask that you would make us. Heavenly Father, meet us in this moment as we lift up your words. Speak to your children and bless us and keep us. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen. 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 Luke 24. Luke 24, you there? Amen. Wonderful. 1 through 8. I uh, thought I was going to go a little bit further, but we're in 1 through 8. ESV reads as this, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and as they stood frightened, they bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was yet still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Verse 8, and they remembered his words. Hallelujah. Amen. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. God's word for God's people. Amen. Amen. I want to just preach from this simple subject, and it's an exhortation that continuously comes up in this passage. And it's just to, to refocus our minds on that term, remember. Remember. One Easter uh, morning, there was a Sunday school teacher who decided to give her class a pop quiz. She had been faithfully teaching and regularly and wonderfully about the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so she just simply asked these little children what they recalled, what they had remembered over the course of a few weeks, and nobody's hand went up. Then a uh, little boy quickly shot up his hand, and she called on him, and then he quietly put his hand down and simply said, I forgot. <laughs> a little girl raised her hand, and... The teacher says, yes, Sarah, yes, what, what is it? And, and Sarah responds, well, Easter is that time of the year where my family comes over my house and my aunts and uncles, they gather and they eat a lot of food and they watch a lot of football and they fall asleep on the couch. <laughs> the teacher's like, no, that's, that's Thanksgiving. That's, that's not Easter. 
And so another kid, Isaiah, he raises his hand. He's bold. He says, okay, well, last Easter we, we decorated our, our tree, and she cut him off. She said, no, that, that's not Easter. That's Christmas, dear. And so now she's nervous. She had been teaching week over week about Easter and the meaning of Easter, but no one seems to get it. Then finally, another little girl, Aubrey, she stands up. She stands up. She says, I, I remember, I remember. So the teacher calls on little Miss Aubrey, and uh, Aubrey says this. She says, Easter is a special day to remember that Jesus Christ was hung on a cross, that he died for our sins, and he was placed in the tomb for three days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Teacher breathes a sigh of relief. She says, wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody in the class gets it, and now she's about to go on. Now she's about to pivot and go on with the rest of the lesson. But, but then little Miss Aubrey steps in again. She says, well, well I'm not finished yet because, because when, when uh, on Easter, uh, that's when we gather at the tomb and we look to see if Jesus is going to come out because if he sees a shadow, then it's going to be six more weeks of winter. <laughs> The teacher says, class dismissed. <laughs> and beloved brothers and sisters, um, if I gave you this mic, and we were to pass this mic around this room, I wonder what we would say about Easter. This little story is funny, and it illustrates for us that sobering reminder that very few people even remember Easter, and when we remember Easter, we don't remember it all right. Uh, the other thing that this little uh, story illustrates for us that as little children are prone to forget, in a greater, deeper, and higher way, the children of God are also prone to forget. Uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, a theologian, said it this way. He said, the devil does not have to fill us with hatred for God. The devil often just fills us with forgetfulness of God. And so this morning, I just want us to simply pause and reflect and, and focus our attention and simply remember this most transformative story of all mankind. Amen. Um, the plot twists of all plot twists, the greatest reversals of all great reversals, the greatest comeback you had ever seen. When all seemed to be lost, the Lord Jesus comes and recovers. What, what looked like hopelessness for us today is hopefulness. Beloved, Jesus can turn it all around. And that's what I want us to, to simply just be reminded of because Paul puts it this way. When we rightly rem, uh, remember, uh, remembering or rightly remember the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul says it this way, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is the same power that dwells within us. Amen. Anybody want to know a little bit about that power? Please. Just walk with me. We'll gather our thoughts into three headings this morning. First of all, I want you to just consider with me together the women at the tomb. Amen. The women at the tomb. Verse 1 begins, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking spices they had prepared. 
Notice, brothers and sisters, first of all, that they were devastated. Amen. Uh, they were devastated. The Sabbath was now over, and while our text picks up on Sunday, the Lord's Day, the preceding events, Thursday through Saturday, filled their hearts and their minds. Just three days earlier, the Lord Jesus was betrayed, not by just anybody, he was betrayed by one of their own. Jesus was the first to, to probably coin that phrase, it be your own people. <laughs> Jesus was betrayed and sentenced to death, and the women were there. They were there. They, they saw this occur. They saw Jesus get rushed through six unlawful trials. They, they saw Jesus get convicted of trumped-up charges. They saw Jesus, when the Roman soldiers uh, beat him, they mocked him and humiliated him, and they, they stripped him. And the Bible, beloved brothers and sisters, even tells us that in fulfillment of the scriptures, they even cast lots for his clothes. The Bible tells us and goes on that they placed a crown of thorns on his head. They placed a purple robe on his body and to make things worse, they, they crucified him and hung him on a cross between two criminals. I'm so glad that Jesus is so much God. That even as soon as he was fasted to the cross, the Lord Jesus lifted up a prayer. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Also, you recall on the cross, another one of the criminals said to Jesus, he lifted up a prayer at the last moment. He just simply said, Jesus, remember me. Uh, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. I'm so glad that he's so much God that no matter what happens, he's willing to save even to the very last moment. Jesus died. Jesus died. His heart actually ceased to beat. And brothers and sisters, just, just bear with me for just a moment. That, that ought to make your mind wonder because this is the same one who said, let there be light. This is the same one who said, let us create man in our image. And But in the text, it says that he died. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. So they were disheartened. They were depressed, disillusioned, uh, uh, devastated. They had hoped. They put their dreams on him as the Messiah. And now he's dead. And so you know what it feels like sometimes to have your hopes dashed and your dreams deferred. That's the situation that they're in. But also notice, beloved, that they're not only just devastated. The Bible lifts them up as disciples. Uh, and you better wake up and write this down because the Holy Spirit commends to us that it's not a few faithful men, but a few faithful women. Uh, women who in, in antiquity uh, at this time were not even allowed to testify in the law courts. The Lord Jesus says that they are going to be first to witness and proclaim his resurrection. Uh, Jesus had the 12, but he also had three, Peter, James, and John. But the Bible also goes on to tell us, church, that Jesus had these women as disciples. Luke 8 tells us in verse 3, there were multiple women who were following Jesus. And the Bible says that they even supported his ministry out of their own financials. Well, go on, you remember in Luke 10 when uh, uh, Luke records for us the time where Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they threw this 
a wonderful party. It was a great party, and Jesus was the main host, and he had been teaching, and Martha was one of the best hosts, and she wanted to be the best host. She wanted to make sure everything in the house was perfect, that the food was served right at the right temperature, and lo and behold, she's looking around for help. She's trying to find her sister, and her sister ain't nowhere in the kitchen. And now she goes out, she steps out, gets to the living room. Her sister is seated at the feet of Jesus. Beloved brothers and sisters, that's just a picture showing us that they were disciples. They were learners. They were followers of the Lord Jesus. And so um, while the boys were hiding away in an unmarked location because of fear, the the women went to Jesus. Uh, The women threw caution to the wind. The women said nothing is going to stop us from getting to the Lord Jesus. Jesus had been so good to them. They said we got to do good to him. Amen. Nothing could keep them away from Jesus. It's, it's dark. It's, it's dangerous. It's not in season to, to be associated with Jesus. And still they go. So they're disciples. And I just want to park here for just a moment. Hope you don't mind. I'm up here anyway. Um, There are just about two things of the nature of discipleship, two points of application. Hey, Rachel. Uh, In in this particular text that I want to lift up, first of all, spiritually speaking, brothers and sisters, the reality is a disciple of Jesus Christ is going in one direction or another. Uh, We're either going towards Christ or we're going away from Christ. In her book um, called The Glorious Intruder, Joni Erickson Tata writes about the mythical standstill Christian. And I like that terminology. I like it. Um, she argues it, it's of the same class of a, of a goblin, a leprechaun, or, or a unicorn. It, it don't even really exist. But, but she argues that Christians are either growing in the Lord or gro- going backwards. Uh, To put it another way, she uses another um, uh, uh, phrase here. She says, the Christian's vehicle or cars only come equipped with two gears. You're either driving or you in reverse. There's no such thing as park. There's no such thing as neutral. And so, brothers and sisters, you need to ask yourself, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, which way are you going? They go towards Jesus. The 11 were going away from Jesus. They were in reverse. So they're, they're devastated. They're disciples. But also notice the text just really quickly. I'm, I'm going to move on to our second point. They're also devout. Uh, women were last at the cross and first at the tomb. Uh, they were devout. They weren't ashamed of being associated with the Lord Jesus. And Jesus says this in the text, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge them before the Father in heaven. But whosoever denies me before men, I will deny him before my Father in heaven. And brothers and sisters, I ain't even responded to that one. Um, uh, let me come back to it. Maybe I rushed past it too fast. You continuously try to deny Jesus in public. He's going to deny you before the Father in private. They're, they're, they're public with their faith. You ought to have a private faith with Jesus, but it, it, it ought not stay private. At some point, it's going to have to be made public. They got a public faith. Like what one um, theologian said, 
A religion that gives nothing, that costs nothing, that suffers nothing is a religion worth nothing. Uh, they're willing to lay their lives on the line to just simply get to the body of Jesus. They don't even know he's up. And still, they want to go to him. So they go, they go, they go. But there's just one problem in the text, isn't there? There's just one little hiccup, one little challenge. And actually, it's a big challenge. Mark tells us that the only question on their minds as they journeyed to Jesus was simply this. Who will roll away this stone? Who's going to roll away this stone? Uh, graves um, were, were covered by large hewn stones out of rocks. And so they were heavy. They would slide into grooves and they would typically require about 10 or so men uh, to lift the stone out uh, to, 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 you know, get into the tomb or come out of the tomb. And so uh, they were wondering, wondering who is going to roll away this stone. But again, I like these women because they go, there's an obstacle and yet they still go. They're walking by faith and not by sight. So we looked at the women at the tomb, but secondly, beloved, consider with me the wonder at the tomb. The wonder at the tomb, verse read, just, uh, verse 2 simply reads, And they found the stone rolled away. Ah. See y'all to be running around shouting at this. <laughs> Damien, you got to help me. I ought to be running around this parking lot. <laughs> uh, let's try it again. They went. There was a stone there as they went. They got there, the stone was gone. The stone could not have been removed by the women, for the, yet they were not strong enough to do it. It could not have been moved by the male disciples. They were not uh, courageous enough to do it. Uh, Matthew's gospel helps us with this. Uh, Matthew 28, 2, it, it tells us that Jesus did this. Jesus sent angels to remove the, the, the stone away from the tomb. Amen. Just for them. And brothers and sisters, there's going to be some stones in your life. There are going to be some rivers that seem uncrossable in your life. There are going to be some dark valleys in your life. And, but what are you willing to do? What, what are you going to do? Are you just going to stand still? Or are you going to continue to walk through? The only way to get through a storm is to continue through the storm. And they're continuing. And what they do is find grace. Because see, Jesus, they don't know it yet. But you know it. And that's why it ought to encourage you. Jesus is up. He is living. He is active. And he is working all things out for their good. Jesus is helping even though they see it not. And see, I thought I have some witnesses there. I'm glad I brought my own. Um, the disciples were with Jesus on one occasion. Jesus had been teaching, preaching, and healing. That was his ministry. And it, it had gotten late. They're, they're on a Galilean uh, hillside right next to the river and, or night, right next to the lake. And, and the disciples, they, they come up with this plan. They say, uh, Jesus, you need to send these folks away. It's getting late. They're getting hungry and we don't have enough. And see, they're looking at an obstacle. They're looking at what they don't have. They're not looking at who they do have. Sounds like some church folk today. Looking at what we don't have, 
ready to tell folks and, and, and tell them what we can't do, we forget the God who can do it all. But they tell Jesus, hey, Lord, send them away. Send them away. But I, again, I love Jesus because Jesus ended up feeding the hungry thousands with just a little boy's Happy Meal. He had a McFish. And the Lord multiplied the McFish. Um, somebody else said that the Lord um, fed the people just with some sardines and a few crackers. But see, there's another time, isn't it? There's another time. Jesus um, and his disciples, they were headed across um, the lake at the time, and there arose a great storm, and, and lo and behold, Jesus is asleep. Jesus is asleep, and, and water is raging, and the storm is going crazy. It's a dangerous storm, and they're thinking that they're going to go under. They awake Jesus. They don't ask Jesus for help. They say, just Jesus, don't you even care? <laughs> and see, we're not really ever getting the lesson, are we? We always seeing Jesus work something out, but we never really getting the lesson. So they go to Jesus and they say, don't you even care? Jesus wakes up, gets up, and he speaks to a storm, an inanimate object like it's a little child, and the storm picks up a pillow and blanket and just lays down and goes to sleep. And brothers and sisters, I'm trying to, the, the Bible is trying to tell us that Jesus is sufficient to handle our needs. The Bible is trying to tell us that Jesus is able to accomplish anything and take care of anything that is in our path that would stop us from getting to him. Uh, one night, uh, there's a story about a, a house fire. One night, a, a fire uh, had overcome a house and, and a little boy, he was forced to flee to the roof and, and the father was at the ground. The father made it out and he called to his son. He says, jump son, I'm, I'll catch you. Your dad's here. I'm going to catch you. And um, he knew the boy that the, the only shot of living was, was jumping for this little boy. And, but all the boy could see was the flame and the, the smoke and the darkness and the fire. And as you can imagine, he don't want to really jump. And, but the father yells continuously, son, I have you. I'm right here. I can see you jump. The son says, but Daddy, I can't see you. The father responds in love. He says, but I can see you, and that's all that matters. And brothers and sisters, that... Go anyway. The Lord can see you. You can't always feel him. You can't always sense his presence. But you ought to know he can see you. That he's able. Uh, the Bible goes on to simply tell us that uh, in verse 3, it says, When they uh, went in and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So, so no, no stone, no body. Right? No stone and no body. And, and um, the interesting thing is that before the women checked in, the Lord Jesus already checked out. Early that Sunday morning, before uh, the twilight, before, before the morning sun began to stretch out its limbs, before the dewdrops even kissed the rose petals and the lilies, that morning before the sun got up, the sun was already up. Y'all missed it one more time. Um, one more time. Before the S-U-N arose, the S-O-N was already risen. Got to spell some stuff out. 
so they were perplexed. They were perplexed. Um, the interesting thing also, beloved, was that uh, what this is declaring to us is that the stone was not removed in order to let Jesus out. It was to let you and I in. It's for us to see and, and bear witness to the fact that this is really real, that this really happened in a real place, in a real time, with a real person. And if it happened to him, if Jesus, this is what the whole crux of the matter is, if Jesus could do this, he could do everything. So they're confused, they're, they're befuddled, they're perplexed, and the text goes on to tell us that Jesus is so good that he sends these angelic emissaries to show up right when they need them most. And um, to fully appreciate this, I think we got to um, put this account next to the birth uh, announcement and, and see how this all works out. But when we put these side to side, for starters, first of all, both events were so momentous that the Lord only entrusted the message first with angels and not people. He said, because people are going to mess this up. Angels are going to do what I tell them to do. Uh, so, so that's one. But second, um, the, the messages were shared not with those in power, but those who were lowly. In the birth announcement, you remember it was first shared from the angels to shepherds. Shepherds could not even be trusted. And this time we see that it's the messages from angels to women. And I already told you about that, but, but we, we see that that's, that's how God works. He's transforming something. One said he came down. One said he got up. Mm. The Lord uses these angelic emissaries to share his uh, resurrection power. Anytime the Lord wants to do something mighty and magnificent, angels going to have to show up. And they do three things, three things, and we're going to move on to our last point, and we'll get ready to close. Uh, first of all, notice with me, stay with me, the angelic host first give the women a gentle rebuke. They first, that was bold, give the women a gentle rebuke. Notice in the text, it says, why do you seek the living among the dead? In other words, what y'all doing ain't making no sense. We, we appreciate y'all faith. We thank you for showing up. But this don't make no sense. And note, note the irony here. The women are confused. The angels are confused that the women are confused. That's right. What are y'all doing here? And brothers and sisters, I just must simply ask, are you in the right place? It just, the question begs us this morning. I, I know you're here. You don't have pastel on, a couple. I know you're here, you got a Bible, you got a cross. You're in church, but, but spiritually speaking, beloved, are you in the right place? Are you where the Lord says you ought to be? Are you in the will of God according to the word of God for your life? Are you seeking the living amongst the dead? Are you seeking to justify yourself by thinking that if you do just a, a, a good amount of works, if you be a good person, if you don't curse nobody, if you don't steal nobody, are you laying your entire basis of eternity on your works? Beloved, that's foolish. The gospel is not about your works. It's not about what you have done. It's about what God has done in Christ. It's about his works. Good works, I don't want to stop you. Keep doing them. We need more people to do good works, but when God uh, demands perfection, good works don't cut it. That's right, 
See, but he sent his son who is perfect. He kept all of the laws in your place, in my place. We call that substitutionary atonement. He, he makes us at one, again, atonement. We break that down at one uh, as it was meant in the beginning. So he, he brings us together. He's both God and he's man. So he keeps God's requirement. He keeps man's requirement. And so he's able to reconcile these two warring parties together in his own life. But see, all we must do is place our faith on him. God will judge him based on our sin and we'll be forgiven. Um, are you where you ought to be? Have you confessed Christ? Have you thrown off all of the things that you've done? Past, present, and future sins. That's what Jerome mentioned earlier. Have been and will be forgiven. And that's good news. But secondly, remember, they, they get a gentle rebuke. Secondly, they um, are called, they call upon the women to remember. And this is wonderful here. This is wonderful. They just say, remember how he told you back in Galilee? Y'all remember that? How he told y'all that? <laughs> the angels don't come to impart revelation. Rather, they come to invoke recollection. In other words, you, you ought to already know this. And see, if you were really paying attention, if you were listening, you wouldn't have showed up with spices and herbs and all this stuff to embalm Jesus. You would come to see that the tomb is empty because you would already knew it was empty. Wow. I like what one commentator says. He says, how much do we lose simply because we do not remember? And if we're remembering, we do not even believe. Oh, how much we lose simply because we do not remember. All the angels say is just remember. Remember when Jesus raised that little girl and told her to get up and she was dead, but now she was made alive. Remember when Jesus was, was there at the tomb of Lazarus, he told uh, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And Martha says, yes, Lord, I know all that. I know in the future he's going to live. Jesus says, no, uh, what you talking about, you talking to. I am. Uh, it's, it's not just a doctrine. It's not just theology. It's good theology, but it's all bound up in a person. It has a face and a name. Remember, Lazarus came out. They said, Lord, he stinketh by now. The Lord just brought him back after four days. See, they saw this and the angels just simply say to us today, church, just remember. Remember what he's told you. Thirdly, though, he, um, it's still not making sense, and you can tell. So they gently remind the women plainly of what the Lord had said. Notice verse 7. Verse 7, it says that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. That he must be crucified to pay for our debt. Jesus had to be forsaken that we would be forgiven. Jesus had to be cast out that we would be brought in. Jesus had to wear a cross that we could wear a crown. He had to die so that we could live. He came down from heaven to earth in order that he might send us from earth to heaven. Y'all don't even know when to shout. That's, that's where you shout. He must rise again on the third day. Amen. He must do these things. Uh, I like what one theologian said. They said the resurrection is the father's amen to Jesus cry on the cross. It is finished. 
It's, it's just unmistakable proof. In other words, it's a receipt for the payment that he made on the cross. You know how sometimes you go to CVS and you go to CVS and you buy a stick of gum and um, you, you pay with your money and you get a receipt and the receipt's like from here to the parking lot? And you're looking at it like, I just got some gum. Or um, let's say it another way. When you go to like BJ's or Costco or one of these wholesale places, you have to have a receipt in your hand or they're not going to let you out the door. The receipt is God's saying it has been paid. Right? that's, That's the receipt. He's been raised from the dead. And brothers and sisters, just want to uh, simply remind you, I won't cover it again. Uh, Brother Arnold said it earlier. It wasn't the nails that kept Jesus there. And see, he, he's, the angels say he must have done it. Jesus says, nobody takes my life. I got the power to lay it down and I have the same power to take it up again. He says, don't get it mistaken. Uh, finally, lastly, beloved, and um, I won't be long here. I'm almost done. Uh, i like for us to just consider briefly for the next few moments um, their witness from the tomb, their witness from the tomb. So we saw the women at the tomb. We saw the wonder at the tomb. Now we're going to see just quickly in verse 8 their witness from the tomb. Look with me at verse 8. It just simply says these words. And they remembered his words. Hallelujah. And they remembered his words. And then it goes on, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and the rest. There's a story about a um, commercial airline that was um, taking off, that had taken off from one major city to another major city. And while on their way, that plane encountered um, and ran into some pretty strong and severe turbulence. And the turbulence was so significant that even the stewardess were afraid. Uh, lightning lit up the cabin and thunder clapped as loudly as we did just a few moments ago. And um, one moment the plane felt like it hit an air pocket so it was flying smoothly higher. The next moment it felt as though the plane were about to crash. And as you can imagine, because of this turbulence in the main cabin, people are riddled with discomfort, anxiety, and fear, and some could be heard crying, and others could be heard cussing, and um, they had lost their coolness, their their calmness had went out the window, their demeanor and decorum was all put on the shelf, they were scared, and but um, everybody on the plane was scared except one little girl. Uh, She had her feet there calmly tucked under her. She was playing with her toys and uh, oblivious to the turmoil and the turbulence happening in the plane. And uh, there was a pastor who had flown on that flight. And he he noticed that little girl. And uh, while the plane and the people were buffeted by the storms, it rose and sometimes it fell. And all the adults were scared half to death except this little child. And so this pastor, he leans over when it was safe after um, the, the take your seatbelt sign went off after they flew through the storm. And he asked this little girl this question. He says, what was it that caused you to be seated there so calmly, so coolly, so, so collected, so happy, so joyous and unaffected by the storm? What, what was it? I, I need to know for myself. And so the little girl simply looks at this pastor and responds, well, well my father is the pilot. Yeah. 
And any time I began to feel scared, I would just remember his words. See, before we took off, my father said that there were going to be some storms. And so I wasn't worried about the storms because my father said we were going to make it safely to our destination. And brothers and sisters, this, this very morning, the text bids us that in a higher, deeper, and greater way, are we not trust the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our pilot, who leads us everlastingly from this life to the eternal life, from death to life? Should not we trust the Lord Jesus? And I know we're here, and I know we're here, and I'm sure that we have not wondered and thought about and have been reminded about his promises. Let me give you just a few of them, and we'll get ready to close. Remember, brothers and sisters, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Remember, the Bible says... The the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee with all evil, from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. He is our refuge and our strength, our ever-present help in times of trouble. If God be for us, who can be against us? Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. God keeps those in perfect peace who keeps their minds stayed on him. He gives power to the faint and to them who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. Young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. Everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are we not remember? And see, brothers and sisters, when we remember, hopelessness turns to hope. Feeling down, uh, came in here defeated with burdens and trials and anxieties, just simply look at the empty tomb. Feeling defeated, look upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever your situation might be, beloved brothers and sisters, we can go to the tomb and know that God's word is God's word and the Lord can be trusted. And see, that's really our challenge. I was talking to a sister the other day. She said, how do you remember? I said, I don't know. Sometimes I just don't know. But, but let me give you just one, one, two quick things, really quick. And you'll take these home with you. Um, and we'll, we'll celebrate the rest of Easter. First of all, beloved brothers and sisters, in remembering what the Lord Jesus has done, uh, first of all, part of our challenge, we're just too busy. Uh, we too busy trying to do everything except the main thing we ought to be doing. Amen. Uh, we're so busy building earthly kingdoms, we forget about the kingdom in heaven. Amen. And before we can participate in the Lord's kingdom, before we can say, Lord, your kingdom come, we must first say, my kingdom go. But sometimes we just simply too busy to even remember what the Lord has said and what the Lord has done. But secondly, brothers and sisters, the other challenge that we have in remembering, and the reason, part of the reason why we, we, we don't remember is just simply because we're so self-focused. Yes. Yes. We look out for ourselves. Amen. Uh, we look out for nobody else. Yes. The Lord says, deny thyself, yes. not yes. thy neighbor. Yes. He says, take up thy cross. 
not your comforts. He says, follow him and not your own understanding and intuition. But see, we, we trust in ourselves more than we ought to. And haven't you let yourself down enough times? Uh, one pastor put it this way. <laughs> um, he, uh, while growing up, his mom used to have a, a, a phrase. She used to say, um, I don't trust nobody but me and the Lord Jesus. They said, but mama, don't you trust daddy though? Don't you even at least trust him? She said, I don't trust nobody. Except me and the Lord Jesus. Years later, as he continued to grow up, went to college seminary and graduated, she ended up calling him. She said, son, I learned something today. I did something foolish. I did something I should not have done. And now I just want to make, make it uh, the record. I want to set the record straight. I don't trust even myself. <laughs> I only trust Jesus. When we just trust Jesus only, then we'll remember Jesus. When we trust not in our own understanding, but acknowledge him in all our ways. Then he will make our path straight. And brothers and sisters, as we just get ready to close, remember Jesus. Remember the empty tomb. Remember that he's living, that he's alive, that he's active in the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. If you are in Christ, is the same power that is at work within you. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we love and adore you. We thank you that you are with us, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Heavenly Father, we pray that uh, you would continue to guide us and lead us into all knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Guard our hearts and minds in Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for these women and the testimony of your scripture. And Heavenly Father, we pray that we would abide, that we would trust, that we pray that we would go after you. We pray that we would be true disciples of the Lord Jesus, devout in all our ways. Not just talking it, but living it. Heavenly Father, but as we get ready to leave here, but never from your presence, we ask that you would help continuously remind us of your goodness. Remind us of the cross. Help us to live in a way that's pleasing unto you knowing that you shall make our path straight. We love you, we adore you, and we bow down before you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen. 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 And amen. Oh, before we leave, before we